The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Learn to quiet the noise of the ego and connect to the truth of your soul. Join former monk and host of the Practicing Human podcast, Corey Mascara, for Living in Alignment, a weekend workshop live stream, live from Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, June 28th through 30th. Rebuild your life from a place of embodied listening and quiet knowing. To learn more and register for this live stream, go to eomega.org slash thrive. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? What if mystical experiences are real? What if inspiration, instinct, and ingenuity are the same as intuition, divination, and clairvoyance? Today on the Radiate Wellness Podcast, we radiate mysticism with Phil Webster, a writer, actor, and spiritual teacher, and the author of Letting Glow, a guide to intuition, spirituality, and living consciously. Thank you so much for joining me today, Phil. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. I'm a fan of the podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much. So Letting Glow, kind of a clever play on words, right? Where does that well, come yeah, funny. I'm glad you've noticed that straight off the bat because some people don't. So yeah, thanks. So where does that come from, letting glow? Yeah, I wrote the book after losing my mum at the tail end of the COVID mm-hmm. pandemic. I'm not going to dredge all that stuff up again. I guess we've heard enough of that. But it was really looked into a lot of spiritual practices and kind of what helped me get through the grieving process. So I just kind of documented the whole journey through the book. So yeah, kind of it's what it is. But I did start to see the light at the end of the tunnel ever so slowly. I lost my dad in December of last year from the flu. After being, it's terrible losing a parent. I was not prepared for the grief. Yeah. No, it's really a one thing I always say is that we kind of, your parents are one of the true witnesses to your life, right? And like when they go, they're the person that's seen everything from day one. So it's like stepping into an ultimate universe. It is. Right. It's a universe where your parent does not exist and it's disorienting. You feel like you don't have an anchor. Absolutely. So in your book, Letting Glow, you write about trying to demystify the mystical. Can you explain by that? Yeah, definitely. So I started looking into spiritual practices. And when I was younger, I took an interest in esoteric things, as a lot of us do. And then through my 20s and 30s, I became a lot more cynical and kind of was like, okay, there's nothing beyond whatever this thing is. But a couple of things would happen every now and again, like every few years, something unexplained, just out of the blue that I couldn't really put my finger on. And then something happened around my mum passing as well, which sort of triggered this whole exploration and was the catalyst for the book. So I kind of look back on these experiences as if, well, you know, we've all got these words for these unexplained things, like we can't put our finger on it, or we have a gut feeling, or you can cut the air with a knife and all those kind of cliches. But when you talk about them as like a sixth sense, then people look at you like you're nuts, right? And I just started thinking, well, what's the difference? It's just uh, we're using different terms for the same experiences essentially so yeah let's look at mysticism but it doesn't have to be so mystical as somebody who's also steeped in mysticism and always interested in it have the same mission i have to say because this mystical world i mean it's our world i think that 
not looking at the mysticism is unusual and strange. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That would always be something, like I say, my beliefs changed over the years, but I remember periods of time where I was thinking, why isn't everyone bothered about this? Everyone's just going along like this whole crazy thing is absolutely normal. And it is, when you look at it, it's that life in general is kind of crazy, right? It is kind of crazy. So did you describe yourself as a mystic before this? No, definitely not. I had these kind of odd experiences, right? And to start with the, it's going to make me sound way out there. So I always try to hold back on these, ground everything first. Somebody once suggested that when I was telling them of an experience I had. I remember feeling almost awkward that he used that word, like labeling me a mystic. I was like, I don't even know what that means. And I just sort of let it go. And then, yeah, just the last two years, I've very much been exploring these things and it seems to come up again. Yeah, it sounds a bit grandiose. I don't know. Let's see where this path goes. I'm right at the beginning of it. That's for sure. Oh, really? Now, mysticism is kind of a broad word, broad definition. How do you define it? That's a really interesting question. Yeah, it is such a broad umbrella right? of things, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been concentrating more, um, just get straight to it, connecting with spirit guides, taking an interest in mediumship. So I've really pretty much gone down that route. But then I've also spoken with a lot of people over the last couple of years and had the honor of learning from indigenous shamans, as well as other mediums. So it's kind of opened my perspective. But then also there's so many similarities I see, like despite where we are globally, when you sort of go back to these traditional or ancient teachings, they seem to be kind of similar across the board. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So your book, Letting Glow, how do you demystify this mystical side? Well, yeah, that's it. I Where do I start with that? So Again, just kind of the experiences that came up here and there that I didn't really know what I'd do with, you know, because that I feel that when, if you've ever had something happen, if someone's ever seen a ghost or had a, a moment of intuition that they're absolutely certain that's the way to go or not the way to go, or you get a feeling about something, a new job or anything like that. And then that sort of transpires, but then it's kind of what was that a real thing or was it coincidence? And then I've had many now, especially since opening up to it, experiences that the more that I've had, the more they begin to sit in the memory as kind of a normal experience rather than being this weird, intangible thing that you don't really know what to do with. So yeah, I feel that we have them all the time and especially learning about meditation and again, connecting with spirit guides. I know that sounds two years ago, I would have been like, okay, right, sure. But these things, they're a real thing. And I wonder what's the difference between having that quiet voice sort of give you a hint or a nudge a certain way, or is it something beyond ourselves that let's keep an eye on us? So how did you open up to this mystical world? Well, the story is quite a, it's a somewhat of a long-winded story, and it, it's a little bit of a spooky one. But essentially, just going back to my mum passing, so we'd been through the pandemic, and it was at the start of 2000, sorry, no, it's a 2001, 2021, and we were in another lockdown. Like We were supposed to all see our families for Christmas, and then government changed their minds at the last minute, and we didn't, and all this. And anyway, so I would FaceTime with my mum every day, like two or three times a day. She was in a different part of the country to me. I'm in London and she's on a place called the Isle of Wight, which is a small kind of rural village kind of place. So we had like a second or third call of the day. Wasn't anything out of the ordinary. She was 76 years old. She had various age-related health problems, but I essentially thought she'd be around for a while still, you know. And when she answered the call, there was a man standing beside her and I could describe him. He had thinning gray hair, glasses. He looked maybe late 60s, something like that. And I was taken aback. There shouldn't have been anyone there. I was keeping away. I knew everyone that was around her. I knew her daily routines. And instantly I was like, okay, well, who's that? And she was like, who's what? And I said, well, the guy. And she <laughs> was just dismissed it. And I was like, okay, what? I just saw the guy. 
And I kind of grilled her on it for a few minutes. And then I thought, all right, I'm going to freak her out. I'm just going to let it go. And maybe I was mistaken. Although I'd seen him that I could describe him. But again, it was fleeting and it didn't sit in my memory properly. And I was thinking, well, it could have been like a glitch on the phone or, I mean, those things don't really happen, but I didn't know what to put it down to. So I just dismissed it. And I believe that there was no one there. I mean, I can't say 100% for sure. I wasn't there, but I knew everyone around there. We've been talking like this for the better part of a year. And she would always be different when someone was around. Her whole demeanor would change. She would speak more politely. She would like, it would be impossible to have a conversation with her. If someone else was in the room, right? It used to drive me nuts. I believe nobody was physically there and didn't really think much more of it. And then of course, the next morning I got the call that she passed away. So it put a whole different spin on whatever that was. And it kind of sat at the back of my mind for a couple of months until somebody suggested that, well, maybe you should ask for a sign. And I did. And then they started coming pretty thick and fast. Oh my goodness. So really just spontaneously one day, all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, this had played at the back of my mind, this guy, and I talked to people around about it and I didn't really know what to do with it. It was, I didn't recognize him. He didn't look like a family member. And of course, by this point, I'm thinking we're talking ghosts or Right. or angels or something or other, which wasn't something that was on my mind at that point. It wasn't something that I was really interested in. And then I was working on a movie set and it, it took me a long time to sort of open up. I was working on it immediately after she passed. And I thought, well, I'm going to do it. I've been waiting for this job for a while. And it kept me busy, right? And I barely spoke to anyone for two months or what have you. But when I did, then somebody suggested, well, have you thought about asking for a sign? I was like, sure. Okay. Do you want me to tell you the first sign, the whole story? Please, yes. These things are obviously open for interpretation, but I feel that, again, when you start to connect with the intuition and you have these moments, then I was tidying the flat that we just moved into, me and my partner, and I have a lot of collection of Blu-rays, which are kind of useless now because we've got streaming services. But anyway, I was working on a big Marvel movie, the superhero things like Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, all that stuff. So I had a bunch of those and I was putting them in a drawer, somewhat geekily in order. And I noticed that one was missing. And the movie that was missing was Doctor Strange. And I happened to be working on the sequel to Doctor Strange. And this was my day off. And I thought, well, how kind of weird that out of all of them, the one that's missing is the movie that I'm, the franchise that I'm working on right now. Sorry, I forgot to mention that I had that day said, okay, mom, if you're around, can you give me a sign? Sorry, quite an important point there. So anyway, I kind of forgot about it. And I went about continuing cleaning the flat. And then some point later in the day, this Blu-ray was sitting the other side of the room, like everything else, they're all together. And it was on top of a pile of books and the book underneath the name of the author was poking out just underneath the Blu-ray and it said Maureen, which was my mum's name. And then the book underneath that, the title of the book said Living. So I've got Doctor Strange, the movie that I'm on and going to work every day. And then I've got Maureen Living and I just asked for a sign. So big coincidence, but I don't know. I took that as a sign and that was a small one and many more things came after. Yeah, that was kind of a trigger. Yeah. You know, our signs can be anything, really. My dad all of a sudden started sending me little feathers. And right. I don't know, he had no connection with feathers, but signs can be anything. And we just take them as the gospel. This is a sign from my mom, from my dad. Now, I was curious, this person who was standing behind your mom, was this yeah. possibly a family member, a loved one that you maybe had passed before you met them? Possibly. I wrote about it in Living Glow and... At the time, I came to the conclusion that I thought it was my dad. So I haven't seen my dad since I was 18. I'm nearly 50 now. And I would assume that this is a bit of a rough thing to say, but he was a heavy smoker. He had a lung taken out and still smokes, and he was quite a heavy drinker. So I thought, well, if he made it to 2020, chances are he didn't make it past it. Sorry, that's an awful thing to say. But it did cross my mind that it was him. And while I was writing this part of the book, 
I got a sense that he was around, but time's gone on. You doubt these things and this and that. I'm not sure. It could have been him. It could have fit his description in later life, I suppose. But then again, I didn't instantly recognize him. So it's really, it's a tough call to make, but whoever he was, he was there. Oh, absolutely. He was, there's, it's undeniable. And he was, he appeared solid. Yeah. Yeah. I just assumed it was somebody that she would get, occasionally get nurses going over there to make sure she was taking her medication stuff like that. But right. this was very late at night. It was like 9, 30, 10. And the latest I ever saw them there, like ever, was 6 p.m. So it was way beyond their work hours, you know. Oh, of course. Now, in your book, you talk about paranormal experiences. Can you talk about any others that you've had? Sure. So, yeah, when I was younger, when I was in my teens, stuff used to happen around the house and things would move and bang around and stuff like that. I remember when we were kids, we messed around with a Ouija board when we were in our mid-teens or something like that. But as I grew older, I just kind of put these things down to, well, it's probably imagination. You know, we're all very impressionable at that age and we don't particularly trust each other and who knows what was going on. But obviously now I'm looking at it through a different lens. I'm thinking, well, why not? Maybe those things did happen as I remember them. There was those. And then, like I say, every few years, something just out of the ordinary would happen. A couple of years leading up to my mom passing, I woke up one morning and this is, I know how this sounds. I woke up one morning. And this is before I didn't have an idea about spirit guides. I wasn't taking any interest in any of that stuff. I knew nothing of chakras or anything like that. And I remember waking up one morning, just any old regular morning. I'd been to work the night before and feeling as though I was getting a download of information. And the best way I could describe it at the time was like a rainbow stream going into the top of my head. And it felt like something way smarter than me was giving me some information that, that was beyond my comprehension. Although I felt at the time that I understood everything, like everything. And it freaked me out and something was asking me, okay, do you still want this? And it was almost as though we'd made an agreement before that, that I couldn't remember. And I, and I flipped out. I was like, whoa, 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 what, what's, you know, what's going on? And I sat up and I was kind of in that state of coming out of sleep, but aware of where I was and stuff like that. I believe they call it the theta state. And interestingly, since I've looked into meditation, that's kind of the state that we go into when we might connect with spirit guides and things like that. And I opened my eyes and there was a glowing holographic grid all around me. I know how this sounds, forgive me. And, well, yeah, and I, I just looked at it and it kind of faded out. And I was like, all right, well, all right, that was that. I, I don't know what to do with that. And I called my fiance and she was, well, you know, you were dreaming. And then I was like, okay, no, not good enough. I called my friend and he was like, well, had you been drinking last night? I was like, no, it wasn't any of these things. And again, I was like, okay, well, that was odd, but I didn't really know what to do with it. And then later on, I looked into this and it, it is quite common, you know, that people get these experiences. And of course, I didn't know anything about connecting with spirit guides through the crown chakra and all of that kind of stuff. And then only later, and again, in these last two years, I've spoke to a lot of mediums that were like, oh yeah, of course, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, it guy. sounds like something out of Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I mean, this was two years prior. And again, I was like, well, Cool, but I don't really know what to do with it. I didn't particularly fit into my day-to-day -day existence. So just, you know. Absolutely. So from this experience with your spirit guides, did you move on to mediumship or anything else in the mystical realm? Well, the spirit, I'm assuming it was a, a hello from spirit guides, but again, prior to my mom passing. So didn't really think much more of it other than learning a little bit about, I was reading a couple of books on shamanism. And then, yeah, after my mum passed and I kind of started opening up to the idea that there was something more going on around me, I happened to wander past a spiritualist church, which we have 
quite a lot of here in the UK. I'm not sure you're aware of them, but I don't think you have too many in the US. Not a lot. Yeah, we used to have one in Kansas City, but now we don't. Well, I didn't know that these were even a thing. Never heard of them before. And I'd walked past this one maybe 30 times, like since we've moved into this area. And I just happened to stop this day. Uh, it was a cute little church, really like a very quaint old church. And I looked at the notice board and they said they had a demonstration of mediumship every Sunday, which obviously I kind of knew what, what that meant. But again, never looked into mediumship before. And I thought, okay, sure, I'll go have a look at what this is. And I turned all of my social media to private. I was thinking, okay, I don't want anyone knowing anything about anything. Not that somebody would have just randomly looked me up, which I was going to show up there. But anyway, so I went along and there was a lady working there, the medium on that Sunday, and she just kind of worked her way around the congregation. And I must admit, I was in an oddly skeptical frame of mind. I was thinking, I don't know about this, you know. But as she moved around and people were just confirming everything that she said, it was Pretty much 90% of what she said, everybody could take it. And then she eventually got to me and she started talking about a young man that had passed away. And I was like, okay, well, no idea what she's talking about. I'm here hoping that I can get in touch with my mom. And she was talking about this guy for five minutes or so. And I was just like, okay, I don't grow but I don't get it. And, and one interesting thing that she talked about was that she was getting this information that supposedly I'm going to be a medium, which again, I was like, okay, well, this is kind of odd because I, this is all new to me, but I have been looking into this stuff. And then all of a sudden the penny dropped and I realized who she was talking about. And it was a friend of mine that I haven't really thought of for a long time who passed away when we were only 20. I think he was 20 and I was younger than him. And then all of a sudden everything that she said, I was like, okay, she nailed it completely. I forgot that we even went to college together at one point. He was there briefly and it all made sense of the things she was saying. And then right after that, she said, I've got a lady here that's passed recently and her accent changed. So she had a very strong London kind of Cockney accent, if you guys know what those are but her accent changed to like a northern england accent which my mom had she was from the middle of england and just the way she spoke it was very brief but the words she used and the, the accent changing and it was my mom and it was life-changing essentially it was very brief but it was just to let me know that she was all right and that she was around and it just changed everything i have to say and still a few days later an element of doubt crept in and i think it's like we can't help it somehow there's some habitual thinking, but then I've had, she's come through time and again, and even through my own experience of opening up the mediumship, learning about it myself, hundred percent of experience of being around, I can feel when she's around. Yeah. It's life-changing and it led to me writing this book. Right. And so have you been working on developing your mediumship? Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate You, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. 
There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. Yeah, I have. Things tend to get in the way here and there. Like sometimes we have to do jobs we don't want to do and you got to pay the bills and stuff like that. And I'll notice a strong difference from when I'm given my 100% to it and I've got a lot of free time and I can. I can devote that time to meditating and looking into these channels and then when life gets in the way. But yeah, I'm getting there. But I do want to kind of stress that in the book because I feel like I might upset a few traditional spiritualists. I'm not trying to teach anyone how to be a medium. I'm just sort of telling my story. And if it opens anyone else up to learning about it, then then great. But it might not be endorsed by somebody that's learned traditionally. Right. Now, you mentioned meditation. Your book. Yeah. Yeah, your book has lots of meditations. How essential is meditating to you and what benefits do you get from it? Well, I definitely slack with it here and there, but I try and keep it up. I try to meditate every day, even if only for five or 10 minutes. I think it's beneficial to just take that time and just have a moment and step back from the thoughts. And what I've really learned from it, and I'm definitely not the first person to talk about this, but is being able to step back from the thoughts. And I feel that we connect with our real in a sense of our intuition or maybe our core or that thing that's connected to everything else. And when you can kind of detach from the thoughts that are constantly bombarding us, that you can kind of, I believe you can separate it and just observe them rather than getting swept up and worrying about this or that or the constant distractions that we get. And also think in terms of mediumship, when you can recognize that, when you can step back and look at your own thoughts and realize that you're not those thoughts, then when something else comes in, it seems to be a lot clearer. I'm like, okay, well, that's not me. That's not those thoughts. That's coming from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely been a very useful tool in day-to-day life and then in exploring mediumship. Right, right. To have that mindfulness of... Yeah, again, it takes time. But um, again, just my stress, I've only been really delving into this for two years. So I'm far from, I'm not giving anyone readings or anything like that. I, I would, other than when I practice with other people in a circle, I think it's probably takes years to to be able to call yourself a medium. I'm not doing that. But yeah, the meditation, I would say is the doorway. It's the doorway to mediumship. And at the very least, just to being able to just step away from the anxieties, things that plague us day after day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you had your experiences during COVID and it was like shaking a snow globe for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. How do you think the whole COVID chapter affected your path? We were definitely, we were coming out of it at the time and it was still lingering on, working on the, I keep harping on about the movies. It's not really something that I'm pursuing as much as I was, but I was on those sets, movie sets at the time. And that was a constant reminder because everybody has to wear masks. And I think it was Tom Cruise that laid the groundwork for that with, with keeping the movie industry rolling. But thankfully now it seems to have trickled away and hopefully we'll stay away. But yeah, it was hard to not feel cheated. And one thing that I really think was unfair for a lot of us and so many people that lost people through the pandemic was people that were getting on in life in their older age that they had to deal with that at the end of their life i think i feel that was so unfair for people that have lived their whole life and then they have to okay we've got to do this and thankfully a lot of people came out of it but a lot of people didn't and i just feel that was very not you know it just didn't seem a fair way for uh, people to end up right now i felt bad for the kids in school especially kids who were graduating and they didn't have their graduations and they didn't have their senior skip day. I don't know if you guys do that there, but they didn't have their traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was just, wasn't it? It seems surreal now when you look back on it. Now life's 
pretty much returned to normal. But it's like, wow, we just, we really went through that and nobody knew what was happening. And then people started getting tired of it and all the restrictions and stuff like that. Yeah, it was crazy, crazy times. Crazy. Well, and there is a phenomenon that I call a post-COVID awakening that mm. so many people to change the routines, have all these restrictions and everything and, and stayed inside, isolated, but went through an awakening. Are you finding yeah. that over there too? Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems to be a shift in consciousness. People seem to be more open to talk about these things. I just had a book release party recently and obviously invited friends and family and stuff like that. Congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, I know a lot of people there, they were just there to be supportive and they, they don't buy into any of this, but they don't seem to shut it down as people might've done 20 years ago. When you talk of these things like astral projection, all this other kind of stuff that's in the book, people seem to have a bit more of an open mind to it now. So I feel like there's definitely a shift in awareness with more sort of spiritual practices. Right. Now, do you encounter skeptics? I mean, what do you do with skeptics? Yeah. Well, actually my fiance, she doesn't really, she's I, it's quite an interesting dynamic because she's been very supportive and she, bless her, gave me the time to be able to write this book and explore all this stuff. But yeah, she's still on the fence with it. And interestingly, we went to watch a medium the other night called Gordon Smith. You've probably heard of it. Well, he's one of the best, basically. He hangs out with James Van Prower a lot and stuff like that. Anyway, we went to watch a demonstration of mediumship and he was giving people first names, surnames, street names, just being amazingly on point, just working his way and doing what he does. And it was the first time that Laura, my fiance, had witnessed any of And I thought, I'm going to introduce her with Gordon Smith. There's no way that she could not believe this stuff, right? And afterwards, she was like, I don't know, yeah. I'm like, come on. He was giving, like, physical descriptions, people's names, where they grew up, or what street they're on. And she's still like, yeah, I don't know. So I wonder if some people are so kind of, it just doesn't fit into their I'm... makeup of reality. Isn't that one? It sounds like she keeps oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, who knows where I'd be if I'd just been given free reign with this whole stuff. But yeah, I think, you know, I'm not trying to convince anyone if I respect people's beliefs or, or non-beliefs. And I get it. I've definitely had periods of, I wouldn't have, if somebody had have talked about spirit guides or something like that to me a few years ago, I'd have been, yeah. So do you have a close relationship with your spirit guides now? I'm getting there. Yeah, I've definitely, I've met one. She's presented herself. Still not sure. Again, this is all a, very much a learning experience for me how they present themselves if it's just to a way to connect with us. And they tend to be, forgive my pronunciation, archetypical archetype figures. Everyone and their grandmother's got a Native American guide and me too now, apparently. Look, I'm not quite sure what, how they present themselves, if that's a natural, true representation of who they are, or if that kind of just what resonates with us. Right. But yeah, I'm getting Yeah, I can definitely feel the influence. I can physically feel when they're around for meditation. But yeah, so far I just met one. I don't know, have I got just one or I feel like there are a group of them. We typically have a group. And I have to say, when you mm. first started talking about the spirit guide that you met, I felt this like physical feeling of love. It's like I can't even like okay. through my body, felt this love. All right. Yeah, that yeah. must have been your guide. All right. Yeah, she's making herself known. <laughs> and herself known. Absolutely. No, they want us to work with them, and but they can't interfere, right? So in your book, you write about separating our consciousness from our thoughts. Shift it yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Can you explain about that? Yeah. It kind of just goes back to what I was saying earlier about being able to start. I think the first thing is just being able to step back from your thoughts and realizing that you don't have to go along with them. I think I've wrote another book since that will be on the way, but that's another story. I'm kind of just turning off notifications, right? Like trivial distractions, just sort of connecting with the real core. And just not getting swept up in the trivial 
mundane this and that. I mean, obviously we need to think about these things. We need our ego to protect us and we have to get things done and not have anyone take advantage of us and stuff like that. But I feel that when you go on this journey or any kind of sort of awakening, then your ego seems to be the first casualty. And you kind of notice that what I call the backseat driver, which I think is kind of the real core. Like in moments of crisis, when you kind of get that voice, maybe it's us, maybe it's spirit guides, but the thing that kind of cuts through everything and is like a voice of reason, I think you can get in touch with that through meditation. And yeah, and I believe that's our ultimate consciousness and separate from the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right. I hope that felt like I went all around the house of the vet But no, I totally understand because we are not our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's just taken me a long time to figure this out myself. And yeah, it's easy to just cruise along and just think, okay, this is it. You know, I need to pay the bills. I need to be at work, fucking jobs that we don't like and and all that. And I feel that when you have possibly a tragedy or any kind of something that just pulls you out of your normal day-to-day reality, it definitely puts things in check. Right, right. Separating ourselves from the constant barrage of thoughts. That's Mm, really what we are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just connecting with the moment of now, that's another important thing that I talk about in the book. Everything else is just kind of a memory of something that has happened, like that moment's just gone. Where is it gone? It's somewhere on this imaginary timeline of events that we all kind of agree upon and everything else is just a projection or what we think of what's on the horizon. And just to come back to this moment and just be present and be able to do that is, again, something else that's invaluable, I think. Right. No, it's very invaluable because we are not, I mean, we're spiritual beings having a human experience yeah yeah not this human this construct right Mm -hmm. something quite different yeah absolutely absolutely also in your book you talk about inspiration instinct and ingenuity being the same as intuition divination and clairvoyance i'm not sure i understand the concept can you explain yeah, I think if it's a question of, hopefully I'm pronouncing this word right, semantics, mm-hmm. um, I feel that they're essentially the same thing. When I've been learning about mediumship and tapping into the clairs, and I'm just looking at my notes because I always forget what they all are, clairaudience, clairsentience, all that, all of those places. Yeah. I try to reel them off the other day on a podcast and I was like, okay, yeah, no, they escaped me. I will also get back to your original question. I'm not sure if labeling them matters. I feel that if you get this you hear something or you have a knowing, you see something in your mind's eye or you get a smell of your grandma's cooking or something like that. I think it doesn't really matter which one it is as long as you connect with it. And yeah, so to go back to your original point, yeah, like kind of like what I opened with when you walk into a room where you can feel the energy where someone's, a typical one to obviously say is where someone's just had an argument. We pick up on these things all day, right? Or somebody can influences with their bad mood and it kind of sticks with us and ruins your day. I think it's the same thing, but we just kind of accept or people generally accept that's just, okay, we're responding to body language or something like that, which I'm sure is absolutely a thing. But I think that also it, when you open up to looking into spiritual practices again, they're all connected, you know? Right, right, right. Again, that makes sense. <laughs> I think that makes sense. And I've got lost somewhere along the way, but yeah. No, I mean, I'm a medium myself, and I describe it as see slash feel or know slash sense, you know, it's kind of muddled. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I think to not, again, right at the start of this journey, so I'm not trying to tell anyone how to go about it, but I think that, again, it it definitely is beneficial, I suppose, if you're, I mean, I tend to see things, and I'm right at the start of this journey, and I'll get, if I'm doing a reading for somebody, I'll get a visual, I'll be able to describe someone. 
and then I'm pretty much done. I don't hear anything. No one's giving me any, you know, vocal messages or anything like that. I'm just able to describe somebody, their setting, where they are. And then I know that that's me out at the very start of learning about this stuff. So I guess it would make sense to concentrate on that or then to concentrate on working on the other, on the other clairs. But for me, at least now, I'm like, okay, whatever way it comes in, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. You keep saying that you're at the very start of this journey and yet you've written a book. You've written two books, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The other one's on the way next year. But yeah, I just don't want to step on anyone's toes. And I did speak with James Van Prague recently. And oh my I, gosh. Well, we did a workshop and he was like, all these 20 year olds writing books is like, what do they know? And I was like, I'm nearly 50 James, but yeah, but I get it. I get it. You know, people sort of showing up in an area where, the, where there's been, there's got such a long history. And then like people like myself, just after two years writing a book about it, Again, I don't want to uh, pretend like I know any more than I know, you know. Well, I can't believe you've done a workshop with James Van Prague. I mean, and you're doing all of these psychic and holistic fairs too. I'm looking at your website. It's like you're out there doing all this stuff and you've only been really in the mystical world for a couple of years. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel that I've always just had these hits, like these nudges over the years that I just ignored. So Again, another thing with the book could be possibly if someone's had an experience like that and they don't really know what to do with it or something happened back then and it was like, okay, great, but what was that? That doesn't really help me pay the bills or anything like that. But it might open somebody up to going down that avenue and working on those things because I feel like if I'd have, if the thing that had happened with my mom, if I'd have been in this mindset now and I saw somebody standing next to her on a FaceTime call, I'd have been straight down there to see her. But at the time, my beliefs was, I wasn't interested in any of this. So it's almost come out of frustration. And I realized the other day that if I hadn't seen that guy on the call with her, I probably wouldn't have gone down this road at all. Isn't it amazing how our lives can just take a turn Mm -hmm. one moment to the next? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'd rather my mom was still here, but it's almost, I don't know how to say this, but hopefully it doesn't sound insensitive, but almost like a parting gift. From her, you know, I wouldn't have done any of this if she was still with us. And obviously, I would rather she was still with us. Mm-hmm. If I have to go, at least, you know, we can open up this. It almost feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. Was your mom mystic at all? She wasn't. We did talk about, I didn't have any kind of religious upbringing or anything like that. She did talk about a couple of instances when she had me. She had, It was a very difficult birth. And she did talk of seeing her mom, who passed away when she was young. At the end of a tunnel, she said there was a lot of green light around her and she saw her mum there and we talked about it. But again, I wasn't particularly open to these things at the time. And I was like, well, okay, interesting experience. And that was pretty much all of it. So yeah, I think she believed that we go on afterwards, but it was never really a discussion we had, unfortunately. And I wish I had now, right? After we've lost them, it's such so many questions I wish I'd have asked, you know, not just about this kind of stuff, but so much everything. Everything. I know. I know. We think we have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. So I'm looking at your website, Phil Webster. I should say Phil with two L's. Uh, Phil Webster with two L's. Phil Webster with two L's dot com. You've got your book, of course, and your events that you have coming up. When is your other book going to be coming out? I believe it's going to be out January next year. I'm not sure. I've got copies of it right here, actually. Wow. But yeah. I just kind of wrote it straight after the first one because I felt I'd learned so much writing the first one that I felt in a very different place to where I was at the beginning of, of writing Letting Glow. And I just wanted to keep going and just keep putting all this stuff out there that I've learned about. So yeah, that's the next part. And it goes quite 
out there. Yeah. I feel like the first book is somewhat of a soft introduction to spirituality. I'm hoping that someone could learn about it as I learned as I was writing the book. But yeah, the next one is way, way more. So the first one is dipping your toe in. The second one is taking a deep dive. Definitely. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Right. And is the second one through John Hunt Publishing as well? An O-book? Yeah, I've pretty much. I'm going to stick with those. I was really happy with the publishing process and they were very transparent the whole way and they seemed to really get it. I sent the book off originally to 10 publishers and I thought I'm going to have to send it to hundreds. I didn't really even know what I wanted to do with it. I just thought, well, I'll try see if anyone's interested. And then I got one guy from Chicago who said it was like a rambling mess. He didn't like it at all. And I was like, oh, what can I do to make it better? I don't know. And then all of a sudden I got a bunch of offers like within a few days and I went with John Hunt Publishing because they have a very transparent way of doing things. Yeah. And they seem to really get it. That was the main point. They're pretty wonderful, I have to say. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is important for our audience to know? Ah, that's an interesting question. I would just say those moments of intuition, just stick with them because we do get so many doubts and immediately your brain comes in and tries to make sense of it and make things logical. And I would say just go with them. I'm not sure if every single thing that we could perceive as a sign is a sign, but I feel that opening ourselves up and going with them, more chances that they are than they're not. Right. Absolutely. More chances they are rather than they're not. And we miss it if it's not a sign, but it helps us in some way. Isn't that a win? Absolutely. 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 So again, I'm here with Phil Webster and the book is Letting Glow, a guide to intuition, spirituality, and living consciously. This is an Amazon hot new release in supernatural phenomena. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it, it did all right there from the start of it. It was in the top 10 for a good month or so, which made publishers happy and put me in a very awkward, unusual spot of trying to promote myself, which I hate doing. So, But it's got to be done, right? Got to be done. If people are going to read your book and have their own spiritual awakening. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here and talk with you. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network. 
in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. Contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.